why not uh, firearm safety? Cool. Uh, the younger the better. You know, guns are an excellent tool. But we're going to follow these rules. And just firearms training is, is key. You know, if you're required to, if you are required to fill out that 10-day form or your background check, you should also be required to attend a class or um, some kind of educational course so you can obtain that firearm. Is it working? We're on our live too, right? Oh, now. hell yeah, dude. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Just taking the time to talk to some crazy ass fanboy from up north. Hi! I miss you guys, man. Hell yeah, dude. What's going down, dude? For you, my shout out to you this week is to Jason. My Pete? shout out's to Adam. I'm all about it, bro. Listen to this. This is a quick, funny story. So my mom like got her house remodeled. Her boyfriend moved in. They did it. Okay. She would tell me she's like, ah, and then I went to the bathroom. Like, okay, well this story just got off. But then I sat down on the floor. We have a bidet. Go. Okay. Just I didn't get out of it for 45 minutes. I'm like, what? <laughs> 45 minutes. You're like, man, man. You pulled out the pants. Like I said to Jason, I used to go here and like find China. Shit. I love you. Like cannonballs. <laughs> <laughs> the size of baby heads. <laughs> we love you back, dude. Don't forget yeah, that, man. Know that too. This is Adam Has a Beard, brought to you by Public Access America. Adam Has a Beard is a new podcast from Olympia, Washington. Washington State Original. Check out our new logo. It's beautiful. You can find Adam Has a Beard on iTunes by searching Adam Has a Beard. You can go to Twitter and look at our pinned tweet, which is actually Adam Has a Beard. And you can go to the SoundCloud page, either Public Access America or Adam Has a Beard. And you can find links to YouTube, to everything. You can even find Adam's Instagram at Elements Divide, and you can ask him all the questions you want. Apparently, he's up for that. What's up? <laughs> What's going down, my dude? Not much. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Excellent. Yeah, I'm, I was, I'm a little apprehensive because uh, I listened to the last recording, and it sounded great when we were talking, uh, and then it, the for some reason, my audio was not that great, but hopefully this one's a little bit better. Yep. This is better. Yeah, this is much okay. better, sir. Okay, excellent. <laughs> Don't call me, sir. I'm Dan. <laughs> Dan, <laughs> what's going down, my man? Oh, oh man, oh baby, <laughs> it's all happening. Um, but yeah, so yeah, it's just been busy. Just, okay. Um, we heard we actually, heard the curve is flattening. We heard there's a second wave, and we heard there's a miracle drug coming out from oh, Oxford. Absolutely, yeah. And so well, we just wanted to get an update on all of that because actually the last the last time Adam told me that he his the response from his fans were, did he say that and what did he say? And so we just wanted to have you back on so we could get something audio to put in a podcast because Adam is officially on iTunes and a podcast now. Oh, wow. Yes, sir. That's awesome, man. I'm really glad to be supporting the show. I'm just glad that we get to talk to somebody with uh, you know, with an extensive background to this because, you know, sure. We talk, we talk a lot of crap and we do this and that on, you know, for this show so far, but there's a lot of things that, you know, I kind of want to have those, those candid conversations with the people on the front line, with the people who have the knowledge. Hey, guess what? I'm just, I, I'm, I'm dumb in all, all respects when it comes to somebody who's on that front line, who's fighting that good fight and has got the knowledge and has got the terminology. He's got the way to break it down for us. I mean, and, and for the response that we had, you know, people texting me, he's like, wow, I just can't believe he said all that. I mean, is it true? I mean, it, it seems like there's hope and, you know, and I think that's what you did instill in a lot of us. You did, you did kind of did scare the crap out of me 
but at the same time, you eased my fears you, and, and gave me some kind of a, a of relief. So, with, you know, well, like I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad to have done that, man. I, I appreciate it. I, I, for someone who's kind of working on this, it, it means a lot that people are willing to want to sit down and listen to people who are on the front lines, like you said. Like, there's a lot of people on there who are just spouting off their own opinions without, like, checking the facts. And then they form opinions based on other people's opinions instead of kind of checking themselves. And that's when really dangerous behaviors come out that actually make this pandemic a lot worse. So I really 100%. appreciate what you guys are doing, which is trying to get the facts and get the real perspectives out to people. It's great that you guys are doing that. Yeah, well, we thank you. We thank you. I mean, you you got to you got it more intense than we do. Obviously we're sitting behind our, you know, we're at home. I'm, you know, I'm not necessarily a front line like you are, but I am emergency response, you know? Oh, wow. So, so I, I, I'm lucky in that respect, but at the same time, I'm not, I'm not as exposed. I'm not as um, in depth as you are. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, well, I mean, anything that we can do to help you got me for 22 minutes before I got another call. So fire away. Dude. Perfect. <laughs> Tell us about, the whole flattening. I mean, we have rumors in each different individual state. What is your? What do you think about this whole opening up um, slowly situation? Yeah, it's there's a as with anything in this. There's a lot of complexity about this, right? Well, uh, first of all, saying the curve is flattening, just saying it's flattening, I think is pretty under nuanced and could be almost almost said as inaccurate because. It really depends on the region of the country you're in. It really depends on the state, the city. I mean, I'm on calls with the State Department of Health, and um, there's different, even county by county, there's very different situations, right? So um, just saying, oh, the curve is flattening, which means we can get back to business is, is one of those things like you can, it sounds like it's really hopeful, but there's a lot of work and a lot of questions that we still have to answer. Um, and so eventually, I'm, I'm glad that um, there are so many political leaders that are saying we need to be cautious, whatever we do, let's try and roll things out slowly because realistically, that's the only thing that's going to be uh, able to be done in a reasonable manner. Like if we say, okay, everything's back to work, we're all clear. Uh, if we don't take it carefully, then that's when we hear about all this. You might have heard about the second wave issue, mm -hmm. like yep. people that are still feeling sick, still be people who are still testing positive, getting back out there. So we do have to be really careful. Um, but really, I think when it comes down to it, um, the curve flattening is is a question that can be best answered by like local and state health departments, like region by region of the, of the country. Um, so definitely listen to those people. Um, there are a lot of uh, social media um, presences are now like local and state health departments giving information that's specific uh, to those regions. Um, the federal government obviously has a lot of information that's useful as well. But when it comes to what's happening in your hometown, get as local information as possible because that's what's gonna govern what's probably gonna affect your life most directly as opposed to nationwide what's happening. Does that kind of, does kind of make sense? That's kind yeah, of my two cents on it. Sense. 100%. I mean, that's, you know, very, yeah, I, I think those are very wise words, you know, definitely follow what's going on in your local hometown. I mean, you have people listening to you like, oh, well, this is what's going on in New York. Guess what? You don't live in New York. You live in Washington State, so you need to watch Washington State. Exactly. You know? It's useful to jump in and and uh, and learn more about what's happening nationwide and globally. And it's important for us to stay informed in terms of how we move forward from this. But in terms of what's going to keep you safe, it's the local people who are going to know. My my question involves the younger population who seem to believe that either they're only going to be asymptomatic or that they'll handle it easier despite underlying conditions. And I just wanted to know what your opinion might be on that. Is there an age that will be able to handle this 
like the flu and is there other ages that that can't yeah um so if you look at the the raw data that's coming out it looks like the um the people who are most at risk from uh severe disease and hospitalization and, and unfortunately dying are the people who are generally either older or have immune system compromised issues or um their uh, pulmonary issues with like their lungs or, or other complications. So generally uh, younger people have fewer of those complications. And then obviously there's the age component of it and there's a whole sideshow of immunology that goes into that. Um, but generally people who are elderly, people who have underlying health conditions, people who are immune compromised are the people that we're most worried about. Um, what I would say to the young people who think, oh, this is just a bad flu, it's not such a big deal. Uh, this is a recurring challenge that we have in public health where uh, just about when it, whenever it comes to infectious diseases, you know, vaccination, antibiotic resistance, all these issues that we're dealing with, it's not just about you. Right. You could be an, you could be asymptomatic. You could not just be feeling like, yeah, it's not so bad. I just have a bit of a cough. I'll be fine. Then you go visit your grandma yep. then she's sick. And then, or then you go back into work and then you pass it on asymptomatically to somebody else and his dad has cancer and <laughs> then he's at risk. Right. Mm -hmm. So this is the big challenge where in public health, when it comes to these issues, a lot of things when it comes to like, you know, diet and exercise and, and cardiovascular disease and these chronic conditions, um, it kind of resonates a little bit better, in my opinion, with a lot of people because it's about you. But when it comes to infectious diseases with young people, it's they, you have to start thinking about something that's greater than yourself and the impact that you have in this great network of our community. And if you do something that is against these guidelines, you go, you go out and party and don't do social distancing, it might not be you who bites the bullet, but it could be someone else who has to take it for you. And you know, just be mindful of that moving forward. So yes, are you at risk? Maybe not. If you're young and healthy, I would say you're pretty low risk, but it's not about you. Right. Beautiful. Dang. That is brutal. Do, do you have an insider insider look at how these tests are conducted and what do these tests, you know, what, what, what do they consist of? Oh yeah, absolutely. So there's, this is a really important thing because there's, I think that there's two different types of tests that are going to play, uh, have played a huge role so far and then how they're used in the future is going to govern a lot of what happens in terms of the policy side so the first test is um the, the you might guys might have heard about like the nasal swab where they stick this massive q-tip up and hit your sinuses which is really brutal yeah. um that test um uses um enzymes from microbes to be able to basically make billions of copies of the genetic material of the virus over the course of a couple of hours. And nice. so if, the, the, if a small amount of the genetic material of the virus is present in that sample, then in a couple of hours by doing that test, you have created enough copies where you can like detect its presence and like basically like looking at it and having a, a big band of, uh, in a gel of this genetic material say, oh, there's that band, that means the virus is there. Um, yeah. And so that is the t that is the test that is used to when you hear about confirmed cases. Um, that's oh, the test gotcha. that we use to diagnose because that if the genetic material is there, it means that the virus is actively reproducing inside your body. It means that oh. you have the virus, you have you are infected, and it's uh, working and it's kind of working in your body. Uh, so that's what we use to diagnose the virus. Um, 
the antibody tests, which you're starting to hear more about now have been coming out, they don't directly test for the presence of the virus. What they do is they test for antibodies in your bloodstream. And these antibodies are basically, what's the PBS NewsHour says, like the frontline foot soldiers of the immune system. They're pro large proteins that go through your bloodstream and they're tailor-made to recognize very specific um, pathogens or these these microbes like bacteria and viruses and fungi that can cause disease mm. um and other things so they're they're basically looking like they're basically doing like a fingerprint analysis throughout your bloodstream wow. of different um, microbes that are detected and so if you have those antibodies in your system it means that it doesn't necessarily mean that the virus is actively replicating and reproducing inside you it does say that your body has started to mount an immune response to the virus being infected. And so the big question moving forward is, um, is an antibody test, if you're positive for these antibodies, are you infected? Are you immune, right? Because if you just, if your body has started mounting an immune response, that doesn't necessarily mean that you are immune to the virus. Right. And so the right. antibody testing of trying to see how many people have this immune response is going to be ha answer a lot of really difficult and challenging and interesting questions on how many people were actually exposed to the virus and just didn't test positive for it with a nasal swab, um, uh, a new genetic material test. Are those people immune? And do we have enough coverage uh, of immunity throughout the population for us to be safe about it? And so that's how the kind of the two tests, the nasal swab diagnoses you because it shows that the, the virus is actively reproducing inside your body. And the antibody test gives you a test of whether or not your body has started mounting an immune response to the virus. But that does not mean necessarily that you are immune to the virus. This nuanced point, but that's really, really important for people to understand because we're on calls with people and it sounds like there are a lot of physicians out there who are ordering antibody tests and then someone's positive for the antibody and they're still sick and they're saying, okay, you're immune, you're good to go. No. Like yeah. that's something that's really important for a lot of people to understand. It doesn't matter if you're a doctor with 30 years experience or you've never taken a biology class in your life. The antibody test does not guarantee that you are immune to the virus. Your, 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 your immune system reacts to almost any, anything, right? Yes. Yeah. So you don't just have antibodies when you're infected. You have antibodies that will recognize parts of your body that they're not supposed to be in, right? The, yes. um, like that's the antibodies recognize cancer cells. Um, and, uh, that's actually like kind of on a bit of an aside, um, antibody therapies and immune cell therapies are being used increasingly to treat cancers because you can actually design these in labs in order to recognize things like structures in the body that are mm -hmm. weird or abnormal. So it's, right. it's hard to, um, it's hard to do that. Um, it's a bit of a challenge to do that, but it's something that's like emerging. So antibodies are not just for the virus. Um, or a bacteria. They're for a lot of different things and your body's making them all the time. But the antibody tests in question, you can identify because they're so unique, these different antibodies, you can identify which ones are specifically for the virus. Hey, Dan, do you think, this is one of the questions that, were, that somebody wanted me to ask is, do you think it's possible to test negative, but still have some properties where you are positive? Yes. Yes, there's no there's no test that's guaranteed to be 100% um, positive, um, and so it's possible that if you take a test, um, you test negative, and it could be that like the swabbing of your nose was done like improperly. It's also possible that the um, that uh, something happened at the, when doing the analysis or something like that. So yes, it is possible. There's no test that's fa um, false. Um, there's always a false negative.
um, possibility with every test that's done, any diagnostic or anything, not just this. So that's why we ask, um, like, if you're still feeling sick, if you're still feeling symptoms, that um, uh, if you do go and you test negative, to still be cautious and still try and stay inside and still try to isolate because it's possible that your test was a false negative. Is that false negative rate really high? We don't know. We hope it's low. Um, but you know, we don't, it's in terms of being extra cautious, having people who test negative, but are still sick, still be really cautious is kind of, it, it's inconvenient for them. But then the flip side is, well, what if it is a false negative and we let them out too early, then they go and cause an outbreak where people can get sick and hospitalized yep. and die. Mm -hmm. So yes, there's always a possibility of a false negative. So having a negative test does not mean you're free. It does not mean that you are completely immune and there's no consequences or anything. It's something that we need to use to inform us uh, moving forward. But it's not just, it's not like a get out of jail free card. You have to still be responsible if you do get to test, you test negative. Sure. Is that why the self-quarantine for 14 days right after even a, a false negative or a negative or anything like that? Do you think that the 14 days they impose is, is a safe bet? Yeah, so um, the 14-day timeline comes from early tests of the virus, which showed that um, people who were exposed to people who were tested positive for the virus who were sick um, did not start feeling symptoms. Some of them did not start showing symptoms of being infected until 14 days afterward, after their exposure. Um, so when we ask people who are exposed to people, we call them close contacts, people who um, are like within six feet of someone else for more than a few minutes of somebody who tested positive while that person who tested positive was what we call infectious, like can potentially spread the virus. Um, we asked those people to quarantine for 14 days because um, it's possible that they are sick if they go out and about, if they don't quarantine, they could have the virus and just not show the symptoms yet, in which case they're going out and spreading it to other people. So that's mm -hmm. the point of the quarantine. And it's gotcha. just as an aside, quarantine is a word that we use to Quarantine and isolation are two different words, and it's important to know the difference. Isolation is you're sick, we know what you're sick with, and you need to stay away from people so that you don't get other people sick. Right. Quarantine is you've been exposed, you might get sick, and because we don't know that you are sick or not right now, the best thing for you to do is stay away from people. That's an important concept. So when people talk about quarantine, that's like trying to like doing a preemptive strike on the spread of this virus and isolation is you're sick. We got to make sure you're in a safe, in a safe place away from people. That's good to know the difference. Cause I mean, we, we hear that often thrown around here, especially in Washington state, we hear, you know, Oh, everybody should be in quarantine or, or these people should be in quarantine or that person should be in isolation. And I'm thinking to myself, I mean, do they, are they using this properly? Or are they just, you know, tossing those words around and it's good mm -hmm. to get some kind of clarification on that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. For generally most of the population, like when people talk, I think people are using the word quarantine to describe like all the social distancing that's going on. And that's not exactly the most accurate term, but it's one of those things that we can let slide because like people know that quarantine is associated with trying to stop the spread of infectious diseases. Yep. So like if people are thinking, oh, I'm doing this thing, it's quarantine, it's, it's, it's trying and they wind up doing something that's like keeping other people safe. I mean, we're not going to complain too much. We can't be, we can't be too picky about that because if we go around saying, Oh, you need to correct all your grammar or whatever, or correct your word choice, um, people are going to think we're annoying and then not listen to us <laughs> when it really counts. So yeah, technically people who are social distancing, most of them are not quarantined. Um, it's distancing. It's, it's the, dis the terminology gets complicated, but then again, I think we talked about this last time when uh, Jason asked about, Oh, is the virus mutating? We could go into all of this nuance about all these different things, 
but we could overload people and we right. could get too technical and too nuanced. And so if we do that, then we wind up losing out on effective communication where it matters most. So if yeah. I went around and said, oh no, you should use the word isolation instead of quarantine all the time. Like that doesn't do anything. We want you to, guys to stay home. If you're staying home, it doesn't matter what it's said. It right. doesn't matter what, what you call it. You're being responsible, you're helping out. We're mm -hmm. not gonna be mad if you call it quarantine or isolation or, or some other term that's not correct. Right. I have a question and it, I don't want to yeah. pull, I don't want to pull on this thread too much, but it's on my mind everywhere I go. I've, I've heard that, that, that COVID can stay on surfaces for up to nine days. And so my question is really all these protections that we're putting in like masks and the sneeze shields and all that. If, if somebody right ahead of me in line has it, is it sticking to these masks? Is it sticking to these sneeze guards? Yeah, so um, the virus, yeah, any virus will be able to survive pretty much on a surface that's outside the body for some period of time. Uh, and so one of the biggest questions when the pandemic was kind of early on in its stages, back even before it was even officially called a pandemic by the World Health Organization, was how long does the virus survive on different surfaces? Right. And I, ha you'll have to forgive me, I don't remember all the details of is it on this surface for three days, this surface on five days, but there's a lot of evidence to show that the virus can survive on surfaces for, for a good period of time. And that's why one of the, a lot of the reasons, a lot of the things that we're doing about like masking and washing hands and all this stuff, um, the masking and, and social distancing is to try and stop people who are infectious from like sneezing into people's faces. But a huge okay. component of all these efforts is washing your hands. Hand hygiene, as we call it in infection control, is like the number one thing that we always try to instill in people because it's like your hands are the, the vector by which most diseases get into or out of your yep. body somehow, okay. right? Um, so they can get to your hands, you can touch a surface and touch your face. Um, or uh, on another surface, you can kind of lean up against it and then it gets onto your system. But mm -hmm. most often when it kind of sticks to the surface, um, yeah, we can do cleaning, we can do disinfection, but ultimately there, we're not gonna be able to sterilize the entire surface of the country. Right. That's why we're talking so much about hand hygiene. Like always wash your hands, don't touch your face with your hands because whatever you might touch, there's always a small possibility that there's a virus on it. Now that's not something to be afraid of, in and of itself. I don't want people to go around thinking paranoid, like I can't touch anything. <laughs> you're gonna have to touch stuff if you're gonna live, right? right. Um, but that's one in, place, in times when we're trying to be really heightened about infection control, infection prevention. That's why we're always talking about hand hygiene, hand hygiene, hand hygiene, washing your hands for at least 20 seconds, not touching your face. It sounds really simple, but it's so fundamental to how diseases spread between right. people. And that's why we spend so much time on it because if you get good hand hygiene, a lot of good things are gonna happen. Thank you. Thank you about that. Yeah, thank you. Um, do you, can you explain to to me the the purpose of the or the concept of how viruses help your immunity system? Yeah. Um, so, where do I start with this? Again, anything <laughs> with immune systems, immunology, infectious disease, a lot. It's there's a lot of complications around it. It's a very complicated subject, but. Um, Whenever you get infected, generally speaking, when you get infected with a virus, um, if everything goes well and your immune system works properly, your immune system recognizes the virus. And then when trying to fight it off, it also collects, the best way to kind of think about it is like in a war, like you're not just fighting the war, you're collecting intelligence, you're gathering data, you're storing that information. And our immune system has ways where it can store that information of, okay, this very specific type of virus attacked us. This is how it attacked us. 
um, it came with these particular things that we can recognize. And your immune system can have a memory of that virus uh, for the future. And so uh, when that virus comes back around, um, your immune system can recognize or should be able to recognize saying, oh, I remember this virus. This came in five years ago and it was this particular virus. And here's the plan that we have for a second round of attack. And so the immune system has that has accelerated its ability to respond to that instead of going, oh my God, what are we doing? I don't know what we're being attacked with. They say, right. we know what's going on. We're going to mount this attack faster. And then the second time, third time, fourth time, fifth time, however many times you get um, uh, infected with that virus, you don't like not get infected. The virus will still get into your body, but your body will be able to fight it off long before it reaches the point where you start feeling sick or start being able to spread the virus to other people. Um, now that becomes a problem because again, we talked about mutation the last, last time I was on, um, viruses mutate well, everything in life mutates. And yep. so it's possible that a virus can mutate, um, enough so that that immune system memory is not perfect. And they like, Oh wait, we don't really know what this is, even though it's just a, a closely related variant of a virus that has already been infected right. before. Um, and so that's that's when the big that's a big challenge and that's why again we have to get a seasonal flu shot because the flu mutates so rapidly that our immune system memory does not um, recognize it fast enough and so the big question on uh, in the immunologist's mind about what happens with coronavirus now or COVID-19 specifically is is it mutating um, fast enough that um, our immune systems will not be able to recognize it the next time it comes around like is what's going on with that do are we going to be immune to the virus again tying in with the antibodies do, do we we have the antibodies to this virus are those antibodies is that immune memory going to be good enough for us in the future are we going to be able to be protected from it and right now we don't know that for sure because we haven't had enough time and we haven't had enough um, resources to collect the data on reinfections about from this virus yet. So it's a big question mark and kind of a worry. Yeah. I personally think that we should be okay, but you never know. There's always that possibility. So that's, mm -hmm. you're asking about like how the immune system a virus helps your immune system. It, it's kind of related where the a viral infection primes your immune system for like being ready for those secondary infections that happen later on. Mm -hmm. um, but that's an important concept for people to understand is that you, that's how basically your immune system works with an infectious disease. But the big question is, is that how it's going to work with COVID? We don't know that for sure. Right. Yeah. Thank you so much. Unfortunately, I do have to get back to work. I have another group call, but I'm, I really appreciate you guys taking the time and letting me come on and, and being thank good you. sports about this and keep spreading the good word. And uh, I'm happy to keep supporting the show. Uh, thank you for your time. Thank you for what you're doing. Um, it's a pleasure to have you on, and uh, I'm very honored that you took the time for us, man. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to support people who want to get good words out there. 100%. 100%. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you guys. Man. Take care. All right. Bye bye. All right, man. Yes. Man, that is awesome. That is so awesome. That was good. That was a good conversation, right? Yeah, 100%. Dan's, Dan is a. Uh, I'm glad that we uh, we uh, we have the chance and the opportunity to, to talk to him, man. I mean, you know, things like that are very important to to understand. Things like that are important to to get the word out on, you know. Yeah. Well, I, I just think that there's a lot of information out there. Yeah. From a lot of people that are reading information from other people that are yep. just regurgitating, and sometimes they aren't even fact checked. You know what I mean? Right. So I. I 
Yeah, you go to the source, right? If you're if your tooth hurts, you talk to the dentist. You don't talk to your friend who knows a dentist, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. I, I appreciate Dan being so nice. And I want to say, because he didn't get a chance to, that Dan is a regular guest on a podcast called Gray Matters. And you should check that out because, well, I haven't yet, but I hope to. <laughs> I've heard some crazy like building podcasts i don't get much time to listen so yeah dude i uh so i'll i'll record that intro for for 18 if you want you know you don't even need to oh i mean you can if you want to yeah dude i did this episode for sure is you know <laughs> i gave you the title for the the episode that's the title of the episode because i mean that guy he uh fantastic dude man i love him i just love him 18 duver you know his whole family is just amazing i love i love his mom his mom is such a beautiful person dude she's just 100 i mean wherever you're at dude doesn't matter she calls you she shoots the shit and now sudden she does her thing you know what i mean and his stepdad is pretty awesome too i just love the whole family dude you know i'm, I'm i think i'm pretty blessed knowing them people you know i love them people those are my people perfect Perfect. Okay. And then whenever for ATN, you know, obviously it's a, you know, it, yeah, it's yeah, it's gonna be awesome. I mean, uh, you know, I'm happy. So okay. then I'll when I get that one, I'll just ask you when you want to post it. Yeah. You don't really need a schedule. It's just you know, yeah. I always I always like it when my pictures up front on the list when I refresh iTunes. You know, oh yeah, mm-hmm. and I love it on Sunday because there's only two podcasts that like come out. So when I'm like. I'm in, on the toilet, like, because I want noise when I'm going, you know, and I'm like, podcast, 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 none, no new ones, <laughs> you know, so it's nice, you come out right there, and you're like, yep, taking a dump, turning on Adam has a beard, getting my coffee, everything's good, you know, <laughs> hell yeah, dude, hell yeah, all right, go have fun, right on, brother, hey, I love you, buddy, hey, I love you, too, we got to get more of that, yeah, we love you, buddy, we love you, buddy, <laughs> all right, Peace out. All right, man. Take care. <laughs>